TNT's got the highlights of the Bucks Championship Parade, sitting down with Dame and Giannis, talking about their future. Bucks hoodie on. Giannis doesn't feel like he even needs to wear a Bucks hoodie, because why he's Mr. Milwaukee. He, he, he is Dame's the Bucks. Just, Dame's just projecting now. Oh, yeah. Milwaukee Giannis's. He needs to wear Milwaukee Bucks gear everywhere he goes. But you know what? I saw you, Dame. I saw you come to practice with a red do-rag on and a black hoodie I don't know the color of the Portland Trailblazers post going to the Milwaukee Bucks. So. Well, he wants the, he wants the Portland fans to remember that it had nothing to do with them. It just has to do with maybe some people in the organization. Just business. It's just, sure. it's just business. You know, just he still business. loves the people. It's not the organization. <laughs> We've all been there. All right, we're going to bring on our Odyssey NFL insider Jason Lockenfora, also host of BetMGM Game Day on BetQL 105.7 The Fan in Baltimore as well, and the host of the Odyssey original podcast In the Huddle with Brian Baldinger, Carl Dukes, covering the entire NFL. So let's just start with tonight, obviously, Thursday Night Football. Bucks are at the Bills. Bills now nine-and-a-half-point favorites at home. Is that number maybe a little too inflated? We watched the yeah. Bills kind of become – they are a they are a roller coaster every single week, it feels like, man. Yeah, that's that's way too rich for my blood. In a short week for a team that's been scuffling and, and has some some critical injuries and a, and a Tampa Bay team um, that what has only allowed nine offensive touchdowns all year and, and still doing some pretty interesting stuff defensively. Yeah, that, that's not really how I would come at this game, especially not this late in the game with that much movement on the line. Um, I played it at under 44 early in the week. That's long gone. It's at 42 and a half. However, when I played it at 44, a lot of the first-half numbers were still pretty low. Um, if you look at these two teams, they can't score a lick in the first half in their last couple of, last few games. You can still get the first half under a 21-and-a-half, which is actually up a little bit from the 21 that I played um, yesterday. So that's how I would go about it now. You've got a Bills team that scored 10 points in its last three first halves. Minus 315 time of possession. Josh Allen, 64.7 passer rating, one touchdown, two interceptions, 57.7% completions in those three first halves. Baker Mayfield, uh, they've scored just 13 points in their two first, last two first halves. Uh, his passer rating is only 72. He's barely completing 57% of his passes. They're running as a team in the first half the last two games for 2.4 yards a carry. You know, do we think that shakes loose early in this one? I, I don't, right? Short week, not a lot of prep time. You know, Baker banged up on the injury report. You know, it sounds like the Bills want to run the ball more and run it more with Josh Allen, which I, I am leaning into those props. So I, I kind of thought this was a low-scoring game to begin with. And I think the first half, if these teams hold true to what they've been lately, first half could be a real rock fight. What do you think about uh, this balancing act? So the Bills' rush defense has been absolutely abysmal, especially over the last yeah. few weeks. It's continued to decline. But that's the thing that the Buccaneers don't do particularly well. Rashad White hasn't yeah. been very good. I think his rushing yard prop is 45-and-a-half. They're, they're getting back Chase Edmonds, but he wasn't super effective last week either. So how does that balance out? You've got a Bills' rush defense that's abysmal versus a not-very-good rush offense with Tampa. Well, I just hope everybody keeps running the ball because I'm on the under, so let them run yeah. uh, and stump their toe in the red zone, which is what both these teams have been doing. I mean, I, I mean, Tampa Bay couldn't run the ball at all last year, you know, when Tom Brady was still that quarterback, and he wasn't the same as a couple years prior to that, but he's still a hell of a lot better than Baker Mayfield is now. So that, that seems to be pretty, like, that seems to run pretty deep, you know, and you can always – 
put more manpower to address stopping the run. But, like, unless you want to run nothing but one-man routes, you know what I mean, and run heavy personnel and pretend, like, first and ten from the 50 is first and goal from the one, like, unless you're willing to commit that much manpower, uh, you probably can't run it. And and they know they can't run it because you look at their passing rates and, and they're off the charts. And I think the, that'll probably be the case tonight. A lot of high-percentage passes, a lot of Baker make, uh, Mayfield dump-offs. I, I think they know we got to complete 35 or more passes if we're going to win this football game. And I think Rashad White's a guy to look at, 65 receiving yards uh, in that last game. He's He's been consistently at three catches or over. Can he get four tonight? I think that's perfectly reasonable. I like him over three and a half. But I don't think, like, I think Todd Bowles and those guys kind of know, like, we don't run the ball, we can't run the ball, we, we're, we'll throw a bunch of screen passes, we'll hit the occasional deep shot. Um but, yeah, and if they do run the ball, you know, I, I think the Bills are, are okay with that. Um, I, I think the Bills showed you in that Giants game, like, the way they are right now, it, it, you know, if, if, if we have to, to win a low-scoring game, then so be it. Jason, Lamar Jackson, eight touchdowns, three picks, 363 yards on the ground, five rushing touchdowns. The Ravens are 5-2. and two. Lamar down to 7-1 to one to win MVP. The Ravens twelve to one to win the Super Bowl, plus six fifty to win the AFC. Yeah. Any value in any of these bets? I'm really high on the Ravens, and I've loved, especially the last yeah. two weeks, man. Since the offensive lines got healthy, Lamar's looked much better. Yeah, I just the the, the touchdown numbers are so low, yeah. and this is a bad receiving core. I mean, he should have at least four more touchdowns than he does. They drop a lot of balls, but I mean, it's Nelson Aguilar, right? Yeah. I mean, the dude who <laughs> caught the baby in Philly. He told you everything you know about that cat. Odell <laughs> looks like he's done. Rashad Bateman. I think Lamar's career passer rating, throwing it to Rashad Bateman, is 70 with more interceptions than touchdowns. So I don't think there's any trust there. You know what I mean? Or Isaiah Likely, is he going to become a thing? You know, maybe they do something at the deadline. If they had a second move tight end, I, I think it could really unlock things even more than them. They've never really replaced Hayden Hurst. And maybe they do something by the deadline. Lamar is playing impeccable football. It passes the eye test with stunning degree. Is it going to pass the box score test? You know, and the Chiefs are getting going now. Yeah. And even with that slow start, like you look at some of the teams in that division, they get to play again. I think all of a sudden those Patrick Mahomes numbers are going to start looking pretty ridiculous again. But look, to me, if you're talking about quarterbacks performing at the highest level on the planet right now, in this moment, Lamar Jackson's in the top three. But I just, he's not running as much. You know, I just don't know that the numbers are going to get him home. You know, it's funny the way you describe that receiver core. I kind of feel like it's the same thing that's been said year after year to a point. I mean, we came in, obviously, with much higher expectations, at least maybe outside. I don't know how maybe everybody or how you felt necessarily in Baltimore. I know we talked to you about it plenty, you know, over the summer. But does it kind of feel like, I know it's a different system, different offensive coordinator. You brought in some new names, some new faces at receiver. But does it kind of feel like it's a similar situation like you've had in the past there in terms of the guys that you're able to throw the football to if you're Lamar Jackson? Yeah, I mean, it certainly has. Again, this Lions game, everything came together. I mean, that was as complete a ball game as they've played in a long time, especially considering, you know, it was a quality opponent. Uh, But, if you know, you watch game to game, and, like, Odell's in and out. He's in the tent. Somebody's looking at him. It was the same way this summer in training camp. He'd make a great play on the sideline, and then you look around and be like, damn, he's gone. Um, So I, I just don't know how much you can count on that. Like, Zay Flowers is a really good football player. He's not a one, you know? And, I mean, it's everything's underneath. The yak isn't there as much because people kind of know, 
you know, the routes that he is running, and it's not like there's been a bunch of double moves or anything like that. I mean, I, I think he's at eight yards per target. Um, and there's nobody for him to play off of other than Mark Andrews. And, and we, you know, we've kind of seen that drill before. Like, I, you know, Aguilar has been their most consistent receiver other than Flowers, but we know about the drops and, it's, you know, he's not a, an explosive guy. Like, they, they still, like, again, if they had a, a second move tight end, then I, I think it would change a lot of things here, and you wouldn't get caught up in who the number three and number four and number two receiver were because they'd be in twelve personnel all the time. They would like they're kind of married to this idea that we're an eleven personnel team now, and that was one of the things that they wanted to emphasize over you know with Munkin, and I get it. But who's like again? I'm telling you, the receivers like besides Zay Flowers, which one of those guys starts for most teams right now? Like let alone a team like Cincinnati or a team like Miami. Like it's there's not a whole lot of there there. Yeah. I'm curious in the division who you're more worried about. You obviously have Cleveland who has a better record, but defensively awesome. Quarterback situation extremely sketchy. Who knows when Deshaun Watson comes back. And then you have the Bengals who seem like they're getting healthier kind of by the second, but defensively not nearly as good. I think Cleveland's the team that's in trouble. I mean, they've won these last two games. You know, on a missed 40-yard field goal because the the regular kicker's hurt. And then, you know, there was some calls that were just pretty egregious, even by modern NFL standards. And the bottom line is they gave 38 points to Gardner Minshew. So, like, I think it's the Browns. And I think they're going to go to Seattle. And they're going to lose pretty thoroughly. Um, wow. You look at the Browns' quarterback play. It's it's atrocious. Their collective quarterback play in most categories is worse than Zach Wilson. Like, they're 31st or 32nd in everything. And even if that bum Watson comes back, he's no good. He's not. He's a terrible <laughs> yeah. human being, and, and uh, he's a pretty awful quarterback. So, like, I just don't think they can survive that. I don't think they have the institutional fortitude. You know, the owner's a fraud. Like, uh, he foisted this upon people who, it sounds like, don't really want Watson. Like, the defense is eventually going to turn on them. We got the highest paid guy in the history of the league, and every week there's another reason why he's not playing and not earning his paycheck. Like, I just don't see how like a good franchise might be able to withstand some of that. These guys in that division in that conference, I don't buy it. And and the, you know the defense will slip. They'll be human nature. They'll be looking at the highest paid guy in the room and wondering, is he going to show up at practice today? Is he going to play? Does his shoulder all of a sudden hurt more? I, I I'm not buying any of that. Um, and they've already lost Chubb. You know, the run game's not as explosive. I know they had a couple of big runs in that in that Colts game. The offensive line's not as good as it was two years ago. Uh, I think they finish in the cellar of that division, and um, I'm not buying them. Jason, when you look at the NFC, how concerned are you about the San Francisco 49ers? I mean, Brock Purdy, um, you know, he, maybe he doesn't clear the concussion protocol. You get Sam Darnold. But I'm more worried about the Trent Williams injury. Debo's yeah. been banged up, and... You know, obviously, like on paper, that's almost a perfect football team. They got some holes on the defensive side of the ball, but how concerned should people be about San Francisco right now with these injuries piling up? I'd be pretty concerned. Um, you know, Trent Williams is a guy who, like, yeah. when he starts getting dinged up, it usually multiplies quickly, man. That's a huge body. He's been through the wars. He's had neck issues, spine issues. Um, anything lower body with him, with, with again, with that size, like, I think you have to be concerned. If you, I mean, I'm sure if you ran the numbers for their EPA or DVOA with him and without him, it's massive. And if you run the numbers on yards per play with CMC and Debo versus without him, it's night and day. Uh, so, no, I think it's huge. I, I think it's huge. And Bosa's not getting home. Yeah. He don't look right. Like, I, I, they're a good team, no doubt about it. 
But that that's a lot for them to withstand. And I know a lot of people are looking at that game saying, well, they were, they, they're too good to lose three in a row. I mean, are they? I mean, who's who's you know who's playing and what are they doing? And you got Cincinnati coming off a bye, and something I look spent look at you know fairly closely. Check out teams the week before a bye, especially if they're playing somebody who's not a huge rival. If it's you know a one-off type game, a lot of times those guys already have one you know one eye towards getting on that plane after that game and going to Tahiti or whatever the hell they're going <laughs> for the bye. So I think that's a tricky little spot for San Francisco. And then the the, the Purdy thing on top of it. Um, I think Brock Purdy, with everything around him, is super highly functional and a very winning quarterback. But as you start to chip away with those, thi- uh, you know, at those things a little bit, um, I think it can crumble pretty quickly. And and it's a, you know, are they a very good team? Sure, I'll concede that. Do I think they're a great team without all those parts? I don't. Talking to Jason Lockin for a bet MGM tonight. Still got a couple minutes here. Uh, I. My commanders, I should be used to this by now, Jason, but they're just a headache every single week. I should be used to it over the last two decades, but for some reason I'm just not. And I watch that offensive line, and I want to throw up every single week. And now they've got the Eagles coming to town. Eagles are a touchdown favorite heading to Landover. And Ryan over here is convinced that this is a spot for Washington to keep it close because of what happened last time. I'm on the other side, maybe because I've just been tortured every single year. What do you think of the Eagles minus seven in this? Uh, I was all over it at six and a half, yeah. a bunch of different ways. Uh, I mean, I, I've watched this series closely, and I know that Washington's been a tough matchup for them in the past. But I, I think these are two teams headed in different directions. And even if you go back and rewatch some of the last game, I mean, four field goals, that's not going to happen again. Four for 12 on third down, I don't see that happening again. And the Eagles still had 415 yards in that game. You know, I mean, they they they, they – they still scored 34 points, and all and a lot of things went against them. I mean, AJ went off for nine catches, 175, and two right. touchdowns. Hurts threw for 320. You know what I mean? And ran another nine times. Like, I, I, I'm sorry. Like uh, the way that Washington defense is right now, and the offensive line. I, I mean, and I know it probably looks pretty public, but you look at Washington's sack differential. Like I look at every key metric, and I just think. You know what I think? I think this series has been too close for too long, and it's time for an ass-whipping, and I I don't think the Eagles fear playing (laughs) at Washington. And if you look at Washington at home, I mean, it's dull crap, you know? I mean, they barely beat Arizona, and then 37-3 Buffalo, 40-20 Chicago. I think we're looking at one of those. You got guys in Washington basically whispering or saying out loud, get me the hell out of here by the trade deadline. Like, I I, I think this is a – I think there's a puffy pants game, uh, as my buddy uh, Bob Henney would say on the radio here in Baltimore. I think the Eagles curb stomp them. Plus, we also know that eventually it's going to be half Eagles fans there anyway, no matter what. Jason Lockenfora, always good to talk to you, man. Really appreciate you jumping on with us. You got it, guys. Thank you. All right, that was Odyssey NFL Insider Jason Lockenfora. Make sure you follow in the huddle on the Odyssey app or subscribe wherever you get your podcast. I like that, a, a puffy pants game. That's good. I don't know what it means, but I love it. I don't know what it means. But Remember the I parachute pants? Yeah. Too legit. Too, Too legit, legit to quit. Hey, hey. Yeah, that's what Syracuse is tonight, baby. There you go. Bet MGM tonight. Pick. Sorry, one of them came. In. We'll be right back in just a few. Head over to Bet MGM to place a better three. This is Bet MGM tonight, presented by Bet MGM, live from Bet QA.